0: Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin.
1: Okay, you are listening to episode number four of the Famish podcast with me, Gina, and.
0: Me, Gina. I mean, <sighs> me jet.:
1: You've got that wrong again. Yeah.
0: sorry When you said famous, you did a little flourish with your hands, which famish. I appreciate. Yeah, famous, which I think sounds like shamish, which is a drunken way of yeah. saying shamish. Shamus in Irish. Are you drunk?: Wait, are Irish? Are they like a Jewish? Bit and I yeah, yeah, a, a little, little Jew, ir. and well, you know I mean, Jewish and Irish. Uh-huh. they're ish. Both of them, just like our show. Famish. Famish.
1: I'm famished. (laughs) I'm famished. I'm famished.
0: So episode four.
1: Yeah.
0: Gina, how have you been doing with the fame from the first three episodes?
1: Are you going to continue to ask? me Ask you that every single episode? I want to know.
0: I want to know what it's like. The paparazzos of sound.
1: Been a wild ride.
0: What else was a wild ride? Mr. Toads. Mr. Toads. You know, you go to hell in Mr. Toads.
1: Yeah, and it's warm.
0: Cancel culture has not gotten rid of a ride where you are a toad.
1: That gets sent to hell. Who
0: goes and commits a crime and then is sent to hell. You think that'd be right there at the top of the list of things that need to be canceled? Uh, felon well, but, toads.
1: But who who would cancel it?
0: The toad people, <laughs> I assume. <laughs> it's famous who are
1: we against this is
0: famous <laughs> yeah exactly who are we against <laughs> we're here to cancel mr toad's wild ride it's encouraging negative stereotypes in talking toads
1: or or uh, a, 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 what is that corporal punishment
0: i was a private under him <laughs> in the navy yeah corporal punishment
1: yeah anyway
0: <laughs> yeah what's the other one corporal punishment and There's
1: capital punishment
0: yes yes Yes, that's right. False. Capital and corporal. I always I always got confused between what's the one where they kill people that's called capital punishment? No, the one where it's like they you you're killed. It's it's like death penalty. That's capital yeah. punishment. And the other one's I corporal mean, punishment. You, you, Remember not, when I'm your kids sure what, people are like, I don't believe in corporal punishment? Yeah, yeah. Like which is spankings, right? I think.
1: Well corporal sounds like core is in military. Right. Things so like I had it.
0: this friend whose parents committed either corporal or capital all i know is they electrocuted him to death <laughs> that's not true yeah no it's true it's true and it was perfectly legal because in the state of california that's okay uh-huh. so we yeah. are going to talk about the motion picture the menu the menu now you have some information on the menu and so do i let me read mine first oh okay yeah the menu a list of dishes available at a restaurant the waiter <laughs> handed you a menu that's straight off dictionary.com is that what we're going to talk about tonight
1: well, there's a menu in the film. It is the, s- the subject of the film. Ooh,
0: what they're doing is a little uh, little play on words, I guess.
1: Not really. It's pretty pretty literal, but it is a film. Tomato, tomato. Here's the synopsis. A young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. Ooh.
0: Is that it? That's it. That's the elevator speech?
1: What? Elevator speech? That's I said that's the... So, the elevator speech, the if
0: you're a screenwriter, is what you would pitch a
1: oh, producer sure.
0: if you happen to be in a studio where a producer is in the same elevator with you, and that's what they call that's what they call it that. So you could say, "Hey, I wrote a script," and they'd say, "What's it about?" and you have that long to tell them what it's about. so if mm-hmm. you can't say it in three sentences, then they will not read your screenplay.
1: Well, I think that this is I think that's a log line.: This is more of a log line because it's intentionally vague since. It, you know, it says shocking surprises at the end. It doesn't really tell you very much. Right. But that's the nature of the film because it is somewhat of a mystery or there's, there's supposed to be so some me, things revealed in it.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Let me give you my background on this because I had said in the first episode, I think, that you and I bonded over. If it's a movie that we think we won't like or I won't, I'll just speak for myself. I am very happy when I'm wrong. So I'm not a person who goes into a movie or anything and says I don't like this, and then sticks with his guns. I have lived enough life to not feel that way about anything, but especially yeah. films. When you got the screener for this movie, and you said we should watch this, I thought, ugh, yeah, not you, a, not you a really show didn't about want to watch it because I never liked TV about food. Yeah. There was a moment in movies where there was that Bradley Cooper one. A lot of movies about chefs because yeah. chefs are a big thing. You and I were on a show together.
1: Oh, that's funny. I was going to bring up, you know, the, the line that uh, Ralph finds. Ralph finds, plays the this. Uh, how do you spell Ralph? No, no, no it's Rafe. Remember? Right. And out? how do you spell Rafe? Rafe? R-A-L-P-H. You so spell what we're saying is. Exactly like Ralph.
0: Right. So what we're saying is this is a gussied up Ralph. Yes. <laughs> Have to interrupt. What do they call? And this is, I got this from the internet. So, you know, it's not a lie. What do they call? a penguin in chinese characters do you remember this a business goose
1: oh you did tell me that so
0: Ralph is the business goose uh, of ralph right you get what i'm saying perfect so the chinese it. characters for penguin allegedly is goose and business yes business cause, goose cause, penguin because
1: the penguin wears a, a suit.
0: exactly yes. so railf makes sense is the business goose of ralph although it's spelled the same way okay if you've seen or heard any show that makes that analogy, I will eat everyone's hat. Okay? Back to the business goose. So, Rail yes. Finds.
1: Yes. So, he plays this um, kind of elusive, uh, eccentric. Sh- eccentric chef. He's on his own island. He has this restaurant invite only. You have to take a boat to the island and to have a meal there. And it's a multi-course menu, the menu. Those and, are quotation fingers. Sorry. <laughs> do visuals work with radio? Absolutely. I'm still learning.
0: That's why I'm allowed to wear no pants. Just kidding. <laughs> Never do that to a co host again.
1: I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. No, I'm a class act. Continue.
1: <sighs> what was I saying?
0: Island exclusive, yes. quote unquote.
1: Uh, menu. Yeah. Rafe fines
0: Oh, if he says so.
1: Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I, now I don't remember what I was talking I'm about. I'm sorry,
0: business goose. You were saying that. Oh, Quote, yes. unquote, menu. Yes.
1: So you you had mentioned that we actually worked on a show with someone and then I interrupted you because okay. I knew who you were talking about. Yes. So Rafe finds in one of the lines in this movie, he's talking to the customer and he insults him and he says it. No, it wasn't cod; It was halibut. You donkey. It was yes. halibut. And uh, I read that that insult was in reference to Gordon Ramsay. Who we knew. Who, yes. You who and I knew. we worked on a, on who a show. Who was lovely, by the way. He was, yes, very nice man.
0: Very I introduced lovely. a segment last time on the show where I would not name drop. But Gordon, <laughs> yeah. a friend, a real friend, he was delightful. We worked with him yeah. together for, for weeks. Yeah. And we were well, actually on the F Word, the TV show. People, like, saw us and recognized us yeah, from it. Yeah, it
1: was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it was a live show, and uh, we had a lot of celebrity guests there, too. Remember mm-hmm. when, Um, sorry, this is a sidetrack, guys. Not his name drop. What's his name? Uh... Hello yeah, Raymond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Garrett, Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett, yeah. So Brad Garrett was on this oh, show. that, that Gina was... and I were working that was live, okay? Yeah. And they had Brad Garrett used to had, eat so, ghost peppers, right?
1: Yeah, so the the F-word was this game show where it was uh, it was challenging yes. two families or two groups that were yes. that were uh chefs or that were, you know, cooking. And so they would would have this comp- competition and then it would lead up to a finale. So it was a multi-episode thing. And they had celebrity guests and they would have them play games in between, yeah. to, because it's an hour long live show, and they're not going to show cooking the entire time. Right. So they had to, you know, do some fun stuff. And so Brad Garrett's thing was they had him do a like a, a spicy pepper challenge. Right. and He had a roulette board that he yes, had. Yes, I forgot around. about the roulette board. Yeah. And so uh, if you you landed on one of the peppers uh, and you didn't know how spicy it was going to be. And, uh, he got like
0: a ghost pepper. Yeah. It's like, so you're you're making a very sympathetic face. I see that Brad Garrett during the show, which is live. I mean, yeah. live, not live like Jimmy Kimmel or live, which means pre-taped live. Which no, means that they, they had tape. the giant it was satellites. Live, yes.
1: In the you know outside of the the studio the soundstage. So
0: live to air yeah. is what we call mm-hmm. it. We had, he was hurting, yes. Brad Garrett, and I had to get a milk. Right. Yeah. From a I had to get milk from a production person who was disguised as one of us yeah, yeah. restaurant goers uh-huh. which is how we were disguised and i'm like he's not kidding i'm like this guy is really hurting you guys better mm-hmm. get someone on him you know brad friend of mine yeah, they he, ended up taking care of him but he was really in he pain he looked like he looked was like,
1: going to die yeah he that yeah it was and not was to really
0: further bad. name drop but when i used to work on uh, everybody loves raymond ray as i call him ray <laughs> romano good friend good friend of the show
1: can you do he, can and, you do his voice
0: hello raymond no i just do no, no. hello no. raymond
1: no, you can... Uh, do
0: I do a... Do I do a... You
1: done Ray, Ray Romano. Oh. Oh, Ray Romano. Or, I think or it's Kermit the Frog. Uh,
0: hey, Miss Piggy. Uh, I'm Ray Romano. You're Ray the I'm, Frog. I'm Ray. It's not easy being Ray. <laughs> uh, that's a bad... Kermit, even. Oh, Kermie. I uh, know. That would be Miss Piggy. Sorry. sidetrack. Not to name drop, but uh, Herman.
1: Melville.
0: <laughs> yes. Good friend of the show. Thank you for saving me on that. I, I did... Herman came into my mind. I didn't know who I was going to say. Herman Melville, great great friend of the show. Uh,
1: Brad Garrett, Raymond.
0: Oh, Call me Ishmael. Nothing. I was just going to bail out of that and, <laughs> okay. and go get on my boat and hunt for whales. Great. So, that's a Herman Melville we reference wa- by the we way. We have
1: not watched the whale and I really no. don't want to. No. Because it looks sad.
0: I don't want to go into a, a sidetrack here, oh, no! but we, there's no, a good friend of mine named I went to the Brian Fraser Acting School for Actors in Hollywood back in the 90s. He okay. and I. Okay, this, I won't go this into is this a episode. a very, very
1: yeah. inside joke. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. That our listeners, if there are any,
0: there aren't any anymore.
1: <laughs> Would not understand. So, so maybe that's a tail why don't, why don't for a another tale whale. For another time. Yes, yeah. yes. tail for another okay. whale.
0: Hello, Raymond. That's Ray Romano saying hello <laughs> to himself as Kermit the Frog. Hello, Raymond. The movie is the menu. Yes, and. Real quick, because you were doing a great job of summarizing it or telling the audience about where it starts. And in the last episode, we talked about the parallels between it and the onion. The
1: glass onion.
0: No, oh, man. <laughs> not not, not sure. the onion,
1: the publication. The <laughs> or fake the movie, news, the the movie fake which
0: is incredible.
1: Oh, yes. That, that's uh, a lot of fun.
0: So I wanted to say that although we were on a show with Brad Garrett and Anthony Mackie. What's his name? The guy who's... Gordon Ramsay? Gordon Ramsay. I knew it was a person's name with two names. Oh, gotcha. Gordon Ramsay. I never liked cooking shows. I thought they were the dumbest thing in the world. I thought, why would you watch food?
1: So that was a funny thing that you told me that after we watched the movie. I had seen a preview for the menu and i don't think you had uh-uh. and that's why you thought that it was going to be i this, thought it was about food yeah like hoity-toity thing and i i thought that it was more satirical and that it was kind of that. taking down the food. well stock. there's also
0: been another reemergence of this not just shows about food that are reality but also that one with the guy who is in shameless he has a new show
1: oh the the bear
0: right yeah. and that's about a chef and mm-hmm. i just you know, the only yeah. thing worse than watching people have reality shows about food is watching scripted stuff about food. It's yeah. food.
1: Well, you've never, yeah. You've I don't never care about, cared food. about food. It's so stupid. You're like, put it in front of me. Yeah. I it's, don't need to. <laughs> just, it's just energy units. Yeah. Everyone
0: knows that. There's nothing interesting about it whatsoever. That's a fact. I thought it was going to be that.
1: Yeah. See, and I disagree with you on that point because I don't mind seeing. The Food Network or, or stuff like that In moderation Yeah, it like Some of it, the presentation and, and stuff uh, Interests me a little bit because I do cook But, yeah I didn't think it was going to be a movie about food I thought it was kind of a takedown of uh, I didn't know that So anyway I want
0: to talk endlessly about how much I don't care about food And how stupid it but is But it was
1: actually great from a, a film industry perspective Now you're
0: jumping right into the review You're on chapter four Okay were you officially finished with the intro to the film? Because I don't want to interrupt you. And we go to this island. We have those two actors who are playing characters. Not okay. to spoil it. Okay. It's the so, guy who is in About a Boy.
1: So, Rafe finds Yeah. Uh, Ralph. Is this renowned chef?
0: No, he's not. The character is.
1: Yes. <laughs> okay, thanks. No, it's probably
0: worth mentioning. What's yeah. his character's name? His
1: character.
0: You're not looking this up. She's She has it. In her memory, hello oh, Raymond.
1: Hello Ste- Raymond. Steel trap, my brain.
0: His she- name was Steel trap, no. my brain.
1: <laughs> chef Slowick. Slowick. Slowick.
0: Slowick. How's that spelled? R A L P H.
1: No, it's Rafe Fines did not name his chef character. I presume. Right. Slowick. Slowick. So that is the char- yeah. you're talking
0: about the character.
1: Yes, Chef Slowick. And then the uh, main protagonist, it's, it's kind of an ensemble as far as the, the guests of the restaurant. Yes. But it's led by Anya Taylor-Joy, who plays Margot. She is the, the guest of Tyler, played by Nicholas Holt, who is like a self-professed foodie.
0: Let me see. How long am I into this episode? I'm in for about, depending on how I edit it, about 15 minutes. So that's fine. Incredible movie. You just heard me say that, and you may not hear me say that for another year. Right. This movie was unapologetic, was brutal in none of the ways that two of the films that we reviewed recently was, we talked about the gratuitous, just grossness of the movie about Hollywood. What was that called? Babylon. And we talked about...
1: I was thinking how *Blonde* was like that too—that it was like these, I was going to mention *Blonde*. These two movies that that concern themselves with Hollywood and seemed like they really had it in for the subject matter. Yeah,
0: but in a will in a really will way because it trademark it was like the sexual parts in *Blonde* were not adding to the story no. and the g- grossness in like, *Babel* were not adding to it was the story.
1: Like a, like a smear campaign, like it, right. it really wanted to paint a negative.
0: The reason I view. stress that is that I feel more enlightened about violence and other aspects of film after reading Quentin Tarantino's book and really investigating why he had so much violence and understanding the art of that in exploitation films in the Mm seventies, the movies that we're talking about that we did not appreciate their gratuitousness. Right. Is that Mm -hmm. how you'd say it was that they used it in separation of the story. It was not serving the plot in this film. It was brutal. You know, I would say it's a hard R a hard r wouldn't you (laughs) it's a hard r so if you're a kid hello raymond (laughs) if you're a kid who doesn't want to see if you're a kid i don't know why you're listening to this but it's a hard r and it has scenes that are tough yeah in service of the story
1: yeah very very much so and the uh the emotion that is transferred not only to oh, the yeah. audience but oh, to the example. to the the um the diners the patrons of the restaurant who are also the audience of this presentation it is like a show in front of yes. them yes um so these the kind of shock of these moments um is pivotal to to the plot and the on in the absolutely
0: i will say that a summary of this film the way i would put it is that without any spoilers I'm not going to say anything about how I say spoiler alert. I text Gina sometimes pictures of giant cars with giant spoilers on the back. And I say, spoiler alert. That's not what this is. The film is a metaphor for art and its lack of appreciation, art and its bastardization under the Internet world and how everyone can be an expert and a critic critic Mm -hmm. of an industry of an art When I say art, folks, I want you to understand that I am personally touched by this film because for 20 years of my life, I have devoted my everything to something I believe in very strongly. Film and television has been my life. And when someone comes in and says XYZ about something you've done in this industry, and they have no background in it. So I feel justified in speaking to film because I'm doing the same thing, sometimes for longer than the directors who I'm speaking about. Right. This movie speaks to that exact feeling that so many of us in the industry, or in any industry, painting, music, I've grown to learn even more about music recently, because I'm scoring my own films, have always had an appreciation mm-hmm. for musicians, but now I have even a higher degree of respect for them.
1: Mm-hmm. And you take more notice, like oh, absolutely. Now when we when we'll watch something and you you're like, did you hear that? Yeah. Like, with this with the scoring of something, and I was like
0: that before, but to an extreme oh, degree yeah, now. But
1: increases your awareness. It of
0: lands that. that understanding that you didn't have, but the appreciation you had, right? Yeah. This film takes on pretension, mm-hmm. and takes on a culture of people who, on the internet or social media in specific, will attack art as if they are experts because they have learned a fractional amount which we all have access to we can all go to youtube and learn how to do anything they
1: have theoretical knowledge but
0: not only do they have theoretical knowledge because everyone has forever felt like they could be a critic my grandfather Mm -hmm. my greatest mentor used to say art is is hard
1: criticism is easy
0: well he yeah thank you (laughs) thank you grandpa (laughs) is that you grandpa
1: i was going to say that like five minutes ago but i didn't want to interrupt your flow yeah so i had to interrupt you right then because art is
0: difficult criticism is easy and never in history has there been more of an entitled feeling towards people's ability to criticize something they know nothing of so you can sound like an expert now in anything and there's a generation where Just because they know of something, they feel they know about something. Yeah. So you can know of something and not live it. I could speak about being a mother, right? I was my mom. Well, I could. I could. My mom had a child when I lived at home, my youngest brother. And I saw that firsthand. I lived in the house and lived next door. I could speak about her experience. I could not speak as a mother. Right. Right. But people feel for the first time that they can do that because they know about something. This movie... And why I loved it so much. Because I think a movie should make you feel something at the end that you didn't at the beginning. That is my review and standard for a movie of quality. Mm-hmm. It could be a bad movie that does that, and I like it. Yeah. It could be an amazing movie that does that, and I love it. Mm-hmm. But my minimum standard for a film is you should feel something at the end that you didn't at the beginning. And this movie yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. And Ralph, a.k.a. Ralph, a.k.a. Rail Alice. Right. Maybe it's Alf. Rail Alf, <laughs> he was magnificent. Yeah. He was the maestro of this film and just incredible.
1: It really felt like it was teaching. Yes. Like there were moments of of uh, his presentation
0: of, of his of his food before yes. it got into the Yes. Yeah. it was
1: teaching this theology, his yeah. ideas of morality. What's a really clever device is that and I didn't I didn't really think about it until now is that it, it doesn't feel like you're being hit over the head no. with it because we are not the audience. We are the audience once removed. Because we are the audience What you watching. mean by that is there
0: is an audience in the right. film, inside so, the film story. So the chef
1: yes. is playing to his audience of invited dining guests. And then we are watching them. So we are learning through a secondary degree.
0: And that's why I called him the maestro, was that it was everything the glass onion wasn't
1: mm-hmm.
0: i felt like i was in the room
1: mm-hmm. of this who done it yeah.
0: and that was incredible not only that but from a writer's standpoint writing a story like this a comedic version i was blown away when the elements that were surprising happened mm-hmm. and for a person who's written for as long as i have and you've known me for a long time my understanding of story is like a sommelier's understanding of wine yeah. i Know where people are going. I know how they got there and where they made a mistake or where they went right.
1: Well, there were um, biblical references. Oh yes, and metaphor. You know, throughout uh, twelve apostles, the, the diners, there were twelve Gina of could them, and it was like the Last Supper a little bit. And they had, uh, they had. Uh, there was some other some other things that you were. Gina you were was born about. a heathen,
0: and I've explained this to her <laughs> over the years because I reread the Bible this last year, and Gina could tell you I read a lot about theology. Yes. Thank you for that contribution. <laughs> I didn't want to be the only well, one talking about my totally, knowledge in that.
1: You totally shut me down. Stop that talking. I was a heathen. Right. And that I don't know anything about religion. Okay, I'll tell you.
0: When I first met you, just you told me you were I'm... raised atheist.
1: Well, yes, but I She's know. She's a
0: lapsed atheist.
1: No, I know about Bible stories. I know about Jesus and Mary Magdalene. How and...
0: dare you <laughs> talk about my Jesus as if you know. You know what this reminds me of? Seinfeld where Putty goes, hey, Elaine, you're going to hell. Because she made fun of his <laughs> ethics right. on the back of the car because of the Jesus fish and yeah, she took yeah, it yeah. off. Uh-huh. Hey, Elaine, you're going to hell. What? No, you're going to hell. And okay. then the priest says they're both going to hell. "Yeah." But no, I don't mean you're a heathen. I'm playing with you. I'm. I'm this is in jest. You're not a heathen. And you may not go to hell.
1: in jest is what you do. Oh, well, not- now
0: you are going to hell. <laughs> I changed it all. But no, I reread the Bible this last year. And I listened to a book about the historical Jesus and have always been fascinated. I was brought up very religious, Catholic, and the basis of many stories echoes that. Joseph Campbell, Mm -hmm. if you haven't read that book, Hero of a Thousand Faces is basically the backbone of the greatest stories ever told and explains how all stories have this commonality through culture and time. The Bible is one of those very important stories, obviously, Mm -hmm. by the success of the book. yeah, sold even more copies than Harry Potter. It's
1: probably the the most deeply resonating story. It is so well-known on a kind of subconscious level to people that you can embed that within the story.
0: And the reason I mention this, and Gina mentions this, is that whether it's Star Wars or Rick and Morty, the understanding of Joseph Campbell and this story arc that is shadowed in the bible is in this story and so mm-hmm. this film the menu has elements of story that are universal uh-huh. they will transcend culture because it is this path that all great journeys take in humanity and so that was great but their references and their world and their social implications were just magnificent
1: yeah. and i i like that it really stuck to uh, the confines of its own narrative. it really didn't stray too far into uh, into fleshing out um, in great detail the ancillary characters. No. Um, they were they were great archetypes or or um, you know, Standard, representations, of representations of their exactly yeah. of whatever the movie star you know the uh like wall Street bros. the millionaire uh, yeah and they had the not the professor but they the, the uh
0: right and there was uh, that guy who wore that bucket hat and kept saying <laughs> Gilligan <laughs> what did he, what call it little buddy he'd say yeah. Gilligan right yeah. no what did he say yeah, to him? skipper
1: that was the skipper yeah
0: but what did he say uh, I
1: think he said little buddy little buddy but he, but would, he called him Gilligan what his name was Gilligan yeah
0: no I know they named the island after yeah. him this know. didn't take place on no. Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Did he ever get off? I thought like the last I don't know. Series... That's a
1: great show. I used to watch that when I was a kid.
0: It's how you learn English, isn't it? Shut up. She knows Hungarian and I give her a hard time about really, learning English through I, I uh, really American filiculas.
1: Uh Nick at night. When I was a kid.
0: Your first boyfriend's name was Nick, right? Was he better at night than he was during the day? <sighs> I didn't like him <laughs> during the day or the night.
1: Enough of the yucks.
0: Okay, you're right. I'm sorry.
1: Onto the yums. That was bad. You just outdid me. (laughs) I know.
0: So, incredible film. And I can't say enough good about it. And it is... I think that I am not overly critical. I think that this is a moment in film where...
1: You have high standards. I
0: think we're getting the junk food of film. Mm -hmm. I think we're getting a bunch of stuff with high calories that sells because people like salty and sugary Mm -hmm. and we eat it up and people say, oh, wow, look how well it's doing. But we never look at McDonald's and go, McDonald's is doing well because it sells health food. And I'm not saying anything wrong about McDonald's. What I'm saying is that These big budget superhero films that were just being thrown at the wall and everyone was dazzled by were making money because there was this moment. Mm -hmm. And it's not just them. It's easy to jump on and say they were terrible. Not all of them were. There were some really good ones. Some of my friends mistake my opinions as being overly critical. I don't think so. I think that we're just leaving a moment in film where most of what was being made story, plot, character was secondary. Right. And and I think think because of COVID, and I said this. I said this to you when we were going through this, that not us personally, some other people went through it too. Uh, <laughs> you started. That was awesome. It wasn't, COVID no, it was not only, exclusively us. It
1: only affected us. You guys us.
0: should really feel sorry but for us. But we really was, have
1: no ego Yeah, at yeah all. no ego.
0: My God. We are not self-centered. It was the worst for me.
1: Just for us.
0: But I said COVID would be one of those moments in history where the best films come out of the hardest times. You're still, you're still enjoying this. I love that. You what, should see how much she's laughing so right ludicrous. now. It's wonderful. <laughs> Did they hear of COVID? Have you heard of it? It was this thing. It was like a, it was like a flu. No,
1: really? Yeah, the China oh. flu. Oh, okay. China
0: flu. But I, th- I said that good movies would come out of this. Yeah. And this was one of those things yeah, that it's, obviously it's was a, made about this.
1: It's a forced recalibration in the industry. Oh,
0: my God. Really well put. Thank you. When I was a kid in the early 90s, some of the toughest, I mean, from what I hear, I'm way too young. I wasn't a kid in the early 90s. I wasn't even born. I was born in 1998. Uh, ask my on IMDb. There were movies when I was young that were about AIDS, that were about the Civil War, that were about Braveheart, that were about Scottish independence, mm-hmm. that when I was at a perfect moment as, as a young kid, not lying about my age, these movies meant so much to me That that feeling I had then is still why I pursue this industry. Because they opened my eyes and heart to something that was so incredible. And I don't mean it in the incredible sense of wonderful. I mean in the sense of just big, emotionally grabbing. Right, Yeah. yeah.
1: While you were saying that, I was thinking about how there's this kind of cliched association with the film industry. It, and the people who exist within it saying, oh, well, you know, what we do is really important. So that sentiment, when you were talking about your experience with film and what it did to you, how it resonated. I was getting very
0: animated for those of you who yeah, are listening.
1: That, that is what makes film important. Yeah. And that's what we need more of. It felt like, I agree. It felt like that, that saying, that sentiment from people in the industry of, oh, well, you know, film is so important. What we do is so important.
0: Film can be important.
1: It can be. And I I think... I'm sorry. It
0: is important and it can be powerful.
1: Yes. I see that sentiment as being a bit cliched because of the lowering of the bar of what this kind of movie and the movies that you're talking about is what makes that statement valid
0: well when sydney poitier or denzel washington or who said it recently the difference between cinema and movies martin, his, martin, martin scorsese talked about this mm-hmm. these are people who are speaking of cinema being just as a metaphor for higher quality film uh-huh. higher quality f- stories that they're important because they literally have more cultural significance than yeah. any other art form on earth and here's how they you know s- they stick with star you. wars yeah. Here's how you know. I mean, this is, this is a movie that is more recognizable than religion. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that people believe in so strongly that it is, the, for so many folks, a example when they're trying to make an analogy in life. Oh, mm-hmm. it's like Yoda. It's like that. Yeah. These are so powerful because it resonated with us. And film has that ability. What I was going to say is, when I saw Glory when I was a kid, this story about this, this white infantry troop that went out with the African-Americans in the Civil War, Blew my mind and made me forever fall in love with Denzel Washington as an actor and Philadelphia. I I was around, I was a kid when, when AIDS was present and this film had such significance on me and made me empathize and understand as much as I could cultures and alternative lifestyles that at a crucial age shifted my beliefs and made me march for gay rights. When I was young, when I was in my 20s. I don't know who I'd be and I'd definitely be a lesser quality human if it wasn't for those seminal films. Yeah. This, now that I put it on that kind of movie, <laughs> may not have been that, but it was but it does inform, that power.
1: Yeah, it informs your life and the morals or the, you know, what the film is trying to say sticks with you on a very You know what it has the power to level?
0: do? You know it has the power to do? They say education used to enlighten. Education mm-hmm. used to change people. And they used to use this line, politicians, who are idiots who think education is school which it is not they would talk about how education changes people's perception the old idea of well they're not racist they're uneducated they're not Mm. this they're uneducated and often that is the case the more information you get the more access you get to quality education the more you can be informed about a subject and the more empathetic you could be I think film was one of the greatest educators yes
1: because education can teach you facts but it can't always transfer. You mean
0: education is in school?
1: Yes. Or, lear- you know, learning information. In the through. traditional sense. In the traditional sense. Yeah. You can get the facts, but not necessarily have the transfer of emotion. Right. And empathy that you are able to get sometimes in film. Right. Film is such a good teacher because it's able to incorporate emotion and feeling and bring yourself to an understanding outside of your own experience.
0: And here's where our show differs from any review show, is that when I was going back to school, I went and took a bunch of film classes, went back to film school too. And I was taking a cinematography class, and one of the most profound things that I've ever heard about the motion picture industry hit me. First, you should know that I listen to more books than I watch movies. So I usually listen to about 100 hours a month on Audible. Not a sponsor, but we'd love them to be. And I love novels because you can get so much deeper into the story Stephen King who writes a thousand page book, you feel a connection to that character that you couldn't in a movie. However, here's what blew my mind in the cinematography class. Film was the first time, the first time in modern history where illiterate people could be educated and emotionally feel what many people had felt in novels Mm. and in poetry. So when I was a kid with severe dyslexia, ADD and, Education was so difficult for me, and I failed classes, and I failed grades. I had such a hard time connecting with any material because the teachers didn't care. They were evil, horrible people. I'll go into that later, but I had very strong opinions about teachers. Film was my educator. Film was my release. It It was my escape.
1: And it brought you access.
0: Right. And when I heard that when film was introduced, it was... An equalizer in that sense. Mm-hmm. Then now, people who were not able to read books and go to the schoolhouse because of disabilities that were not diagnosed a long yeah. time ago, they could get the same information. And how many amazing actors do we know who didn't finish high school? Yeah. How many great writers didn't finish high school? True. This was a brand new access. So.
1: Well, th- think of also um, movies when they started it going into movie theaters, and it was it it allowed yeah. people to access that type of the performing arts,
0: um, without being elite.
1: Yes. Cause yeah, you, you, you're absolutely right. You might right. not be able to that. go to the theater to right. see a play, but you could go see, you know, the, the movie. Yeah. Of, the Nickelodeon at the
0: or app. the the dime theater or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, absolutely. And so this movie opens up my strong opinions about how I feel when I make films and Gina's read almost all of my scripts. When I write, when I direct, when I do any part, I have that reverence, I have that respect, I have that responsibility on my shoulders of it being the most important modern art form and I feel that this film paid a tribute to that and I haven't seen that in a long time. You're looking at me crazy because your dog is drinking water again. Should I get it?
1: She's a thirsty little mutt.
0: Oh, she takes issue with the word mutt, she just told me. She says she's a pure breed Maltese.
1: I apologize, Falkor.
0: As we take this intermission and head towards the end of this episode, I'm sorry, I know you don't want it to end. I've been looking at Gina's shirt and I might make it the podcast artwork because all the podcasts going forward, 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 forward. Sorry, I'm thinking about you, little doggy. Forward will have unique art, original art. I've been looking at your shirt, which is a fuzzy polar bear.
1: You know, I I only have a, a limited time to wear this still. Well, a polar bear shirt? Yeah, I feel like it's kind of seasonal. It's not like a reindeer, but. Yeah, you know, so it's, she. It's January. I don't mean to
0: go too much <laughs> into description about Gina's polar bear shirt. I, I it's fuzzy.
1: It's on its way out into the, uh, into the old uh, you know winter storage oh, closet Oh, gosh, I
0: thought you were going to shoot it or something. You can't <laughs> shoot polar bears, it's illegal. So, this is Gina's polar bear shirt. Okay, let me see. I'm going to get a picture. Wait, I'm going to get a picture. You guys listen to any of this? This is good or lady? Oh, I'm going to get a picture of the flash. And, uh, oh, you look lovely. I am trying to not rudely look at Gina's chest. On her polar bear shirt is a microphone with what's called a cat's tail. So it's this fuzzy little device. That well, prevents wind.
1: It's called a dead cat, but I
0: swear your side dragging is the death. But yes, it is called a dead cat. But you
1: don't like to call it that.
0: It's a windscreen for a microphone. Yes.
1: So it looks like a polar bear hat.
0: Taking this story even longer. <laughs> it looks like what? Did you just ruin my punchline?
1: Oh, I didn't know what you. Yes. Were the whole
0: point of that story was your fuzzy polar bear shirt has a little cat tail on it. So for the longest time, I'm looking at your shirt and thinking, is that a fez? On the top of that polar bear. And I I didn't want to interrupt the show to talk about that. But then I realized it was a microphone pointing out. And I'm like, oh, no, it should be pointing to you. But that was distracting to me for a while. Now we've told that story. Okay. Dead cat. How horrible. Anyway, I would say that there's very few outfits where that would look like a hat. Yes. But it did on your shirt. So, yeah, great movie. See it if you can. I think it's going to be streaming soon. If not, see it in the theater. It's worth it. Yeah. The menu. My... First recommendation for theatrical viewing. You won't Fantastic. regret it. And if you don't get it, you're an idiot and it's your own fault. <laughs> no judgment whatsoever. <laughs> so, thank you so much for listening today. You have um, some chores this time to watch a film. And, uh,
1: well, I don't think that film watching should be a chore. Wow, Gina. Thanks. And no, because we were oh. talking in the last episode, we were talking about blonde. And that movie felt like a chore.
0: Oh, that's interesting. The Empire of
1: Light felt like a chore. Right. That's that's another thing about about movies. We haven't even about, talked
0: about the the Bruges of Bruville. Oh,
1: jeez. What was that called? Yeah, the Banshees of And
0: We won't go into that, but also a anyway, chore.
1: So yeah, this this whole idea of oh, if it's an award wanting movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know some, something that is submitted for awards it mm. has to be depressing and awful to watch Why? Right. yeah exactly a movie should be enjoyable and give you something and i give think you that's a, a whole
0: i think that's a whole nother episode to talk about how the industry has gone towards either big budget or mm-hmm. films that are just aimed at trying to tick boxes, yeah. to win awards, and that again, it's that would like take too long to go over in this but it, episode. But
1: it is a dichotomy that is not necessary.
0: Yeah, and and it does the art form of discredit, absolutely, by alienating audiences. Yes. So yeah, thank you so much for listening, to episode four of Famous 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 Famous. Get in here, oh Famous! You locked all your lucky charms. It's okay to be racist against the uh, Irish, as I've said before. Because no one cares.
1: You can just, call just them like, drug Just like uh, the Italians. Just oh, like yeah. like your people. Those
0: no good WAP drunk mafiosos. Wait, and then that's mafiosos. because you're,
1: you're Italian, Mexican, Scottish, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it's not okay to be racist against <laughs> Mexicans. <laughs> so true. don't start that's going true. down that road. Okay. Thank you for listening. I'm Jet.
1: And I'm Gina.
0: And we'll talk to you next time. Have a uh, happy viewing. That's my tagline that I'll never use again.